Hello there. Welcome into Downtown the Podcast. It is episode number 70. From the Zone Radio Studios in Bangor, Maine, where our daily show, Downtown, originates every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Zone Radio Stations, Maine, streaming audio on our website, downtownwithrichkimble.com. I'm Rich Kimball, Carrie Haskell here as well, and a musical tribute for you on this week's podcast to one of the greats of American music, uh, honored with a film that will be released in just a couple of days' time. We're talking about Linda Ronstadt, the subject of a terrific new documentary entitled Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice. Coming up on the program, we'll hear from a couple of people who knew her very well, songwriter and friend Jimmy Webb and Linda's longtime producer, Peter Asher. Let's start with the film, though. Uh, we've had a chance to see it, and it really is a remarkable story, a great footage, uh, both concert performances and interviews, uh, going back all the way from the 70s to uh, recent interviews with Linda Ronstadt, talking about her history in music, dealing with Parkinson's disease, and so much more. The directors of that film are Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman, and we had a chance to talk with them about their documentary. Love the movie so much, and, and Rob, I understand that this goes this goes back to your favorite record of all time, being the Stone Ponies' Different Drum. Yes, good research. <laughs> I, that was my, the first record I ever bought was Different Drum in 1968. I was a toddler. <laughs> yeah. I was a precocious toddler. <laughs> Uh, with with exquisite musical taste, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that makes this film so powerful is the fact that it's it's narrated by Linda Ronstadt herself. And uh, uh, Jeffrey, I understand uh, maybe we should credit the IT guy for an important connection here. For important, oh yeah, that was Rob's. Yeah, our computer, our computer repair guy was at Rob's house, uh, com- repairing his computer. And um, he saw the book on the desk, I think. Yeah, I had the book, Linda's book, Simple Dreams, on my desk. And he said, oh, Linda Ronstadt's a client of mine. And he introduced us, and we wrote Linda a a very impassioned letter. And she she had seen one of our films and agreed to meet. And over lunch, we pitched her the idea of, of doing the film similar to how she did her did the book, which would be first person in her own voice, letting her tell her own story. And she was intrigued, but, but ultimately reluctant. She didn't think there would be any audience for the film, that there wouldn't be any funders for the film, and basically thought we were deluded to even <laughs> want to do it. But uh, we persisted, and she came around. Obviously, you can't separate uh, Linda's music from her family and, and the love she has of her family. And there's a great line early in the film when she, she says her father was like the music man. Yeah, I think her grandfather maybe was, was like the music man. Um, but yes, there was music, there was music in her home growing up. Everybody sang or played instruments. She heard all kinds of music and all of those kinds of music were things that she came back to in the course of her career, um, you know, when she was at the height of her pop stardom, she decided that she wanted to sing operetta. And she, you know, learned how to do that and went to New York and starred in the Pirates of Penzance on Broadway. Um, 
she was just never content to keep doing the same thing over and over again. And then from there, she decided she was interested in, in standards and approached Nelson Riddle, who had did, worked with Frank Sinatra and Hal Fitzgerald about doing uh, these, these ballads. And that was hugely successful. And then she decided she wanted to really explore her Mexican roots, which led her to do the mariachi music. And the Nelson Riddle albums uh, really were a tribute to her mom, who was such a big fan. Yeah, that music was in her was in her house, thanks to her mom, um, and th that was music that she also listened to throughout her pop career. Um, you know, she listened to Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald and all the greats, uh, and she always wanted to sing that music, and she just decided she was going to do it. You know, the record companies never wanted her to do these uh, these outs outside the box. Uh, adventures in singing because they had a sure thing and they wanted to keep they wanted to keep it going um, and she just insisted and she had she had enough clout so she was able to do it and she was always successful all of those all of those adventures into all those different genres were hugely successful with audiences we're talking with Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman about their wonderful film, Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice. Uh, J.D. Souther is such a big part of the film. Uh, they had an interesting and a lengthy professional and personal relationship, and uh, uh, the love clearly never went away. It was uh, just uh, well, career career, and other things got in the way of those two, but certainly cared about each other and continued to. Yeah, Linda is still close to many of her exes, including... Governor Jerry Brown, but she's she's very she's very beloved in the in the music world, and it was it was easy for us to get people to participate because they all have such respect for her and high regard. I have to think that love and respect that people had also uh, helped out because I, I was thinking of the work it must have been to get clearances for all the music that you used. Did it help that everybody likes her so much? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. It was it was it was a challenge because her, her music was all written by different people, so the publishing rights were all over the place. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's she's respected and revered, but also beloved just because she's such she's really such a wonderful person, um, and she's maintained great relationships with, uh, with the people that she's worked with over the years. And one of those certainly is Emmy Lou Harris, and I thought it was a very powerful part of the film when she talked about how much Linda meant to her trying to put her life back together after the death of Graham Parsons. Yeah. Yeah, her relationship, her relationships with her fellow female musicians were were and are very important to her as they were to the other the other women. I mean, they were. You know, they they uh, they were all pioneers at that point, working in a in a business that was primarily run by men. And Linda was the first female rock superstar. Bonnie Raitt compares her to Beyonce in the film. Um, you know, she's she's really was a trailblazer. And and doing it, yeah, at a time when all the other rock stars were male. 
and all the guys in her band were men. How difficult was that? How much of a challenge was it for her to maintain a sense of self surrounded by men on the road? Well, I think it, I think it was very challenging her, challenging for her initially when she was very young. I mean, she had huge success when she was still in her 20s and and had to cope with that. It's not what she set out to do. She didn't set out to be a pop star, but that's where she found herself. But at a certain point, she really decided that she was going to take control of the narrative of her career and started making her own choices about what she wanted to do and what kind of music she wanted to do. And I think that was a real, that really just changed changed everything for her. We had Peter Asher on our show a few months ago, and he told us first about the film and and uh, how wonderful it was going to be. So we've been looking forward to seeing it. But I, I thought it was very interesting that he said you know, a lot of people look at the success they had together as producer and artist and assume that I was the brains behind the operation. But as he points out, most of those big decisions were made by Linda herself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And in fact, she's made a point of, when she was asked about the film in an interview, she she said something to the extent of, you know, she didn't have anything to do with it, which could have been misinterpreted that she didn't want to have anything to do with it, which is not the case at all. But what she meant was that in her own production of her record, she was very hands-on and very involved in on this. She was not that. So that that's... That's certainly how she approaches a project when it's her own project that she's going to call the shots. Was the move away from a pop and rock stardom uh, as simple as growing tired of playing in front of those huge crowds and arenas and stadiums? Well, you know, I mean, maybe to some extent it was preemptive, preemptive in that she was, you know, at a certain point she would, she might age out of it, although Mick Jagger never aged out of it. But I think more she was just, she just had this adventurous spirit and had to go with where her musical instincts took her. And she had this image that she wanted to perform on a stage which has a presidium and curtains, and she really have a connection with the audience, which she had lost when she was performing in the big rock arenas. I mean, she felt like she just really had lost any connection to the audience that it was becoming rote. And that's what she really wanted to change, which led her to doing theater and operetta and ultimately standards and mariachi. And as you mentioned, she never sought out the stardom, and she really does seem to be one of those rare megastars who did it for all the right reasons, did it just because she loved making music. She loved making music. She was not interested in celebrity, and that's really hard for, I think, for young people particularly to, to understand today because everybody's obsessed with celebrity um, and it's something that I don't really understand. I don't know why anybody would want to be famous. Um, and I think that's one of the things I really appreciate about Linda. Um, she, she just really had uh, her core values remained intact. Uh, no, matter, no matter how successful and uh, over the course of over the course of a career that had ups and downs, mostly ups. Uh, but she really stayed focused on the music, and that's what that's what kept her going. Music and her 
and her personal connections to people. Well, of course, underlying this story is the, the diagnosis of Parkinson's, the fact that it's taken away her singing voice. And, and she makes such a powerful statement in the film. She says, I still sing in my mind. I, I can't imagine anybody handling the loss of that beautiful instrument with more grace than she has. Yeah, yeah, we, we completely agree. But she doesn't see it that way. I mean, for her, it's just now a fact of her life. And she's made the adjustments accordingly. She's still in, extremely engaged in every other aspect of her life, despite her physical limitations. But I think, you know, what Jeffrey said about her, her basic temperament, that she she's, she's always just held on to her core humanity, and that's certainly serving her well in this latest challenge. Well, and the final scene of the film is just, uh, well, I tear up just thinking about it, a beautiful moment captured with her family. How did you, how did you uh, get access to that, and how open was she to the camera being there? It was very, very late in the, in the editing process. We were literally two weeks away from finishing editing the film um, when she invited our crew to accompany her on a trip she was making to Mexico. Um, you know, I think at that point in the process, she was comfortable enough with us. She trusted us. Um, and she just decided to let us in. And I think, you know, it was a way of acknowledging who she is now and what her interests are now and what her limitations are. And it was a privilege to, it was a privilege to be able to do that. Obviously, uh, your, your film is going to reach the people who grew up loving Linda Ronstadt's music, as well as a new generation of people who might not be aware. What are your goals for this Linda Ronstadt documentary that's so wonderful. You know, certainly we hope to, the film will introduce her to a, a, a new generation, a, an audience that may not have had the good fortune to experience her alive in, in their lifetimes. But I think, you know, the, the, the basic human message is, is one of, for me, I'm, I'm inspired by her, her adventurous spirit and where that adventurous spirit led her in all these really incredible directions musically. And uh, that's just a joy to experience. Well, the film itself is a joy to experience. Wonderful concert footage of the interviews, the story. It's just a, a beautiful film. And I, I hope a whole lot of people see it. I've admired your work in the past. Celluloid Closet was terrific as well. Uh, the Sound of My Voice, Linda Ronstadt, new documentary. Rob, Jeffrey, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. That's Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman, the award-winning directors of the brand-new film that opens nationwide September 6th. Linda Ronstadt, still within the sound of my voice. We'll take a little break and come back and hear from a couple of folks who know Linda quite well, Peter Asher and Jimmy Webb, next on Downtown, the podcast. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. 
We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. song from the big breakthrough album 1974 for Linda Ronstadt Heart Like a Wheel, a McGarrigal Sisters song. The producer of that album was Peter Asher and we had a chance to talk with him about the greatness of Linda Ronstadt. My goodness, the the list of tremendous albums that she did in the 70s, Heart Like a Wheel, uh, Simple Dreams, Hasten Down the Wind. I, I know she's she's been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I, I still don't feel like she's been given her due oh, enough. Exactly. You know, she didn't even mind about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I kept saying, you should be in there, you know. She, she's very good and genuinely replies, you know, that's not why I sang. Uh, it wasn't for that kind of stuff. She, But she, yes, absolutely. Linda cannot be overrated. She's breathtakingly good. She's the finest singer I ever worked with. And the, um, James Keach, you know, the actor produced a, yes. a brand-new um documentary about Linda that I haven't even seen yet. They just premiered it two nights ago at the Tribeca Film Festival. Got rave reviews. I, I did a lengthy interview for it, so I don't, I'm, but I haven't seen even my bit, so I don't know, but the the, the documentary is apparently fabulous, and I'm not sure how, how or when it's actually coming out. I'm getting a copy to watch um, next week, but um, she is the best thing I've ever watched with in my life. Where have you gone, my darling one? Are you on your own? Are you having fun? Is there someone to hold when you need it back? Is it uncontrolled like the love we have? Jimmy Webb has had a number of his songs recorded by Linda Ronstadt, including that one from the album Cry Like a Rainstorm, Howl Like the Wind, still within the sound of my voice. And we talked to Jimmy also about Linda Ronstadt. Linda's almost my sister. She and I were born very close to the same day. I'm not going to get into too much detail about that. <laughs> but um, we we had some, we went on a, a wonderful mu- musical journey together. I, I I think that the you know I had four songs on Cry Like a Rainstorm. It was a platinum album back when we had platinum albums. <laughs> um, and you know she was she's just been uh, she produced she produced my album Suspending Disbelief. Uh, which really, in my view, should have should have had more success than it did. But um, she uh, she is a bright lady. She's a bright, strong woman, uh, and she's she's really uh, you know uh, one of my heroines at this 
at this moment because of the way she's dealing with uh, Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease. And it's very ironic for me because I, I have, I have really, I'm, I'm starting to uh, feel the impact of these diseases. Alzheimer's took Glenn, and I'm just pleased that Linda has, you know, persevered against this Parkinson's and is still very, very active and, and has a has a, a lecture circuit. She no longer performs, but uh, and I think that's that's for me that's a very sad thing because uh, she was. She was one of the people who believed in me and and would go out and 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 put her money where her mouth was. You know, she she cut my songs. She spoke highly of me in her memoir. She, um, you know, she's she's aces in my book. That's Jimmy Webb. I'm Linda Ronstadt, and our thanks to Jimmy, Peter Asher, and the directors of the wonderful new film. Linda Ronstadt, still within the sound of my voice, opening Friday, September 6th, all around the country. Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman, the directors of that. So much fun saluting one of the great voices in music history here on the podcast. Uh, Great in so many ways, Carrie, but I, I can't think of anybody in popular music that has been successful in so many genres. Pop, R&B, country standards uh, she still has the best-selling foreign language album in the history of the charts she can just do it all and was not afraid to stand up to the record company to do that i mean that that was the thing i took away from the uh from the documentary is that she fought those fights to do the music that she wanted to do right that's great and so i uh, see it if you get a chance you're really going to love it uh, the film again linda ronstadt still within the sound of my voice thanks for joining us on this week's downtown podcast Brought to you as always by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength.